This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on this Thursday, the 15th of August, 2019. This is a weekly podcast, oftentimes about one hour in length, where I spend some time with you and discuss miscellaneous topics. Uh, As you know, it could vary greatly. It can be about current events, could be about paranormal, could be about aliens, cryptids, uh, could be about completely inoffensive, innocuous things, such as ceiling fans, or radio, or food, or anything in between. It's a miscellaneous, freeform talk show going out online via many platforms, and also on the international shortwave, 7780 kHz and 5850 kHz. Today's show, for the most part, is going to be, as I kind of referred to, open phones, where we're going to be taking your miscellaneous feedback, your thoughts, commentary, and it's going to be a wide-ranging, very varied discussion. Although I do have a few points that I would like to bring up beforehand, based on some current events, because this week has been really crazy. I mean, it's been really crazy, that's all that I can say. And there's a few important things that I want to talk about. Number one, I know it can be a little annoying, but sometimes you're going to hear all these little frogs in the background kind of making their noises. The amount of rain we've been getting here in Florida has been incredible. Every day it's been raining about, you know, two inches or so. And, uh, of course, you know, in low-lying areas, all the the water is just kind of really collecting up. You're getting these little, you know, little temporary bodies of water popping up. So all the little frogs, you know, they love them. So they're all congregated there, so they make their noise, and uh, that's just that. Uh, So, you know, and it kind of sounds like this chorus of squeaking things, that's just them talking to one another. And that's just what that comes down to. Now, anyway, I wanted to talk first and foremost about the economy. Now, let me say, I know that a lot of people listening don't care about it. I know, look, for a good time, I didn't care about it either. I thought, well, look, what does it concern me? Why should I... Like, what's the point? Right, it's so complicated. I'm not going to be sitting there on Wall Street, so what does it mean to me? Why should I bother, right? I'm not going to notice anything. And most of the time, look, I'll admit it's true. A lot of the time, the economy just does its thing, and that's what it comes down to. But during times where it's not doing so good, and during the hardship that inevitably follows, then all eyes turn to the economy, and everyone sits there scratching their heads, trying to figure out what went wrong, why all their money is disappearing, why they got laid off, what's going on, why is this happening to me? And I want to issue a very, very realistic, sincere warning to everyone listening in right now. I know, like I said, most of us do not give a damn about the economy. I know that for a fact. And I made this warning at the beginning of the year. I said, look, the economy is going to go down. There will be a recession. It might be worse. Possibly coming up in late 2019, early 2020. And I got more complaints than anything else. People said, yeah, but I don't care about the economy. 
and I understand, like I said, look, a lot of the time, I can be very iffy about it also. But when it starts hitting the fan, and everything starts going away, you need to know why that's happening. Okay. I have long suspected that the economy is going to enter a recession. And that's not good. What a recession is, it's a period of temporary economic decline during which trade, industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in gross domestic product in two successive quarters. What it means is usually business is bad, the economy is not doing well, people aren't making as much money as they usually do, unemployment rate rises, consumer purchases fall off because you're going to have less money so you can't buy anything, the businesses you might like aren't making enough money, they go bankrupt, young people can't afford to get a good job after school, people lose their homes, and let's just say, considering that, quality of life goes down substantially. And I'm not, you know, look, this is real. Another one is coming. Maybe you heard on the, the news why, uh, why this is happening. They said the yield curve is inverted. And that was like one of the top headlines the other day, aside from the terrible tragedy in Philadelphia. Inverted yield curve. What does that mean? You know, I thought we were doing the trade war. What, what is this? Inverted yield curve. What the hell is that? An inverted yield curve is when lending someone money for a longer period yields less than lending it shorter. And so here's an example. So me lending the government money for 10 years gives me 1.5% a year. But lending for two years gives me 1.8% or something similar. Usually, the longer someone is looking to borrow, the more they will pay in interest because you're getting someone to commit longer. So as a result, you know, look, if they're going to be locked in for 10 years, they might be missing out on better rates or better things to invest in the meantime. You know, they're committed. When the longer term becomes lower than the shorter term, which it is right now, it's an indication of two things. Number one, people think that there are less good alternatives to invest in. And number two, interest rates will go down. So I'm trying to secure my good rate for now. And interest rates often go down in a recession because it helps stimulate the economy. So basically, when borrowing long-term is cheaper than borrowing short-term, it's a bad sign. Because essentially it's saying, look, we think something bad's going to happen going forward, so get ready. And this is one of the biggest indicators right here. It's flashing red as we speak that something's going to go down. And you know, since 2017, 2018... There's been talk about certain indicators in world politics and global markets pointing to a possible 2020 contraction, recession, or believe me when I say it, depression. Part of this is global social unheaval. Part of it is policy changes by world banks. Part of it is employment and economy shifts worldwide. The most recent U.S. Fed policy changes reflect what was feared and expected in the past and even that is a pretty solid indicator that all the previous predictions are correct. 
The yield curve inversion is the cherry on top that makes people go, yep, this is really happening. And if you remember 2008, most people think it's just going to be as bad as it. Uh, some expect it to be much worse, which given the current political conditions worldwide, could mean global conflict or civil conflicts, aka world or civil wars. The reason for that is if you look at history and the conditions that led to world war in the past, you can draw a lot of parallels to today. And you know, it's a slightly less scary, but still a scary one. Some companies are buying back their own stocks and neglecting their future obligations to employees. Here's the thing. Economics can be confusing, it can be nerve-wracking, it can be mind-boggling. But when things start impacting you personally, and like I said, all the businesses start closing, you can't afford the stuff that you want anymore, and things really start going downhill, it's important to know why this is happening. And the more you see it coming, the more you can prepare yourself for the inevitable. Recessions and even depressions, it's a natural cycle in an economy. Think of the economy as like a sine wave. It goes up, you know, it does really well, and then it goes back down again. And then it'll go back up again. But when, how, why, it all varies on the circumstances at hand. You know, in 2008, the big recession there was mostly focused on the housing market. This time around, look, the next crash that's coming might not be focused. It might end up being in regards to uh, the loan bubble. Look, that's something that's going to explode one day. We'll just see what happens. But again, I just I want to issue a very sincere warning. The probability that there's going to be a civil war or a world war based on the economy uh, is very, very slim. But it is true. When things are bad and when times are hard, it can motivate certain people to do things they would never do otherwise. And I'm just telling you right now, be ready. Uh, be ready. This is something that I've been predicting for practically a year now. And I think more than ever, you just need to know what's going to be in store. And I hate to be so pessimistic. But like I said, the way I try to deal with it is I need to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. You know? That's the way it needs to be done. That's how I look at politics. That's how I look at social issues. That's how I look at economic issues. You need to prepare for and expect the worst. Because otherwise... I mean, look at it very practically, right? Okay. So let's say with the economy, right? You prepare for there to be an imminent collapse. You're ready for it. You expect it. Hey, if it's not as bad as you thought it would be, guess what? That's great. Right? So what's better? To, to kind of see what you think is going to happen, and if it happens, you're ready for it? Or to say, no, look, this is all BS. I don't care about the economy. It's going to go up forever. And you blow it off, and then it tumbles down, and you're blindsided, right? I think it just comes down to just looking at it practically. So, dear listeners, just, again, a means of warning. 
research this, look into it more, and this isn't going to be something that's going to happen overnight. It's going to be a gradual decline. But eventually, you know, in one to two years, watch out. You have some time to prepare, look into how to prepare for a recession, and I wish all of you the best of luck. One thing that I would like to do, I'd like to get your feedback and your thoughts. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think that the economy is going to collapse in the near future? You do not need to be a business person or a financial analyst to give your feedback on this. If you have a gut feeling, I want to hear it. Do you think that the economy is going to collapse? Do you think that there's going to be a recession soon? Do you think that it's going to cause world war, uh, social unrest, civil war? You know, how hard do you think it's really going to impact things? Uh, do you think it's going to be better than 2008? Worse than 2008? Do you not care and whatever happens, happens? Or do you think that this is all just hype and that there is going to be no crash and that everything will indeed be fine? What are your thoughts? I want to hear it. Again, you do not need to be an expert economist on this. Uh, for the most part, the people that will be impacted are people like you and me, the average person. So I feel that this, this for the sake of information, this needs to get out there. It needs to be shared. So submit your feedback, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Consider providing your feedback in the form of an audio file. So get up to your phone, your microphone, whatever it might be, and just talk. Share your honest feedback, and then send me the audio file, email it, and I will play it on the air. So again, I know this stuff can be boring, and I know it can be pretty confusing, but this is some really serious stuff. And when it impacts life as we know it, it needs to be shared, and I needed to take these, uh, these first few minutes to go ahead and discuss it. Stay tuned, I want to go change the discussion a little bit. There's two other topics that I want to bring up. You're listening to VORW Radio International. The other thing... That it's, it's a point, and it's something that I'll kind of think about from time to time, but it was reinforced. I mean, you know how it is, right? You know something, you believe something. But once you really experience it, either for the first time or again and again, it, it just it only builds up this notion, this idea. And a lot of the time I think about uh, disasters. Uh, you know, not to be a prepper or anything like that, but the fact that they have that realistic possibility of happening, right? Like in this world we live in, look, most of us are fortunate enough to live in a place where most of the, the most severe and atrocious events happen in these faraway places that uh, we've never been to, likely never will be in, uh, you know, never can really establish that true connection to it doesn't really impact you firsthand, but it still happens. You know, it's kind of crazy. Here I sit, walking around in this peaceful night, you know, delivering this monologue, and to think 
half a world away, there's still that vicious civil war going on in Syria, as it has for so many years, and the absolute squalor that so many people are living in. But you, know, you don't even need to go as far as Syria. You can go look at many parts of the world a lot closer, even look at some parts of the United States, the living conditions. Uh, go into Central South America, the Caribbean, any place of natural disaster, civil unrest, government oppression, you name it. And uh, you see it, and it's a real thing, it happens. And for, the, for most of us, the chances of being a victim of one of these things or the other is lower, yes, because of infrastructure and all these little safety nets that are in place, but there's still that realistic possibility of it happening. And that's why so often I try and talk about, you know, the importance of communication, the importance of radio in these types of events. Because we take our quality of life for granted. And I think for a lot of us it's inadvertent, you know? Sometimes when I think about the phrase, taking something for granted, this image comes to mind of someone who's just carefree and is willingly so. That is like, oh, look at how good I have it and you don't. <laughs> and is like laughing maniacally or something like that. Uh, but that's not necessarily the case. You know, of course there are people, uh, you know, many people who have no empathy whatsoever who are kind of like that. But I think a lot of us, we don't take it for granted. But it's because it's all we've ever, we've ever known. It's all we've ever really experienced it. Now, again, I know this doesn't go for all of us. I know some of you listening in on the shortwave right now might be going through some really difficult times. And some people listening might have been either have traveled to or have, born or have been born or lived in some of these places where you know those conditions. But I think for a lot of us, especially in the U.S., Canada, U.K., over in uh, Europe, of course, and lots of the developed world, you, if you were born there and you lived there, you have your issues, but you pretty much went to sleep every night on a, on a bed or maybe a couch, you know, someplace at least to sleep, with a roof over your head, had water to drink and food to eat. may not have been top tier, but it's something, and you had a quality of life. But of course, things can happen, things still can happen, or that quality of life, temporarily or sometimes permanently, uh, can be taken away from us in disasters, etc. That's why, again, I emphasize, you don't know when a huge earthquake is going to happen, you don't know when a massive hurricane is going to strike. We can kind of predict these things. But just because just you can predict something doesn't mean it's suddenly going to save your house or your property. And you're going to be fine. It just means, all right, we know it's going to happen, so just get ready because it's still going to happen. And then, of course, there's the things that can happen that we can't predict. Right? Again, civil unrest, you name it. And it all has that distinct possibility of going down one day. So that's why I say, even if anything else. It's good to have a radio, you know, to to be prepared, just in case. It's something to break out, because there may come a day where you're going to be really thankful that you have it. You know, I always would say from experience about the hurricanes and all that, why I'm thankful I have a radio. But anyway, 
that's not really what I'm going to emphasize today. I've given so many lectures about that before. I do think shortwave is very important. Make sure you get a shortwave radio, um, but that's an aside. One thing that still gets me, and it was just a little bit of a reality check, how utterly dependent I would wager almost all of us are on the essentials, and I'm specifically thinking about water. Turn on the tap, take a shower, take a bath, fill up the glass of water, use the bathroom, brush your teeth, rinse your face, to cook, to prepare certain meals, have to use water. The most, aside from oxygen, one of the most important things in this entire world. You know how it is, the rule of threes. Three minutes without oxygen, your good is done. Three days without water, you're dead. I think it was about three weeks without food. Compared to food, food is secondary. You need to have water. If something hits the fan and you don't have water, you can have all the freeze-dried, storable food stocked up, you name it. It's, you know, it's not going to do you any good. You might be able to get what little moisture you can out of the storable food, and your body's going to deteriorate, your health is going to wither away, and that's it. You know, water is just as important. Everyone talks about storable foods and getting the canned goods and all this stuff, which is important. And canned goods can do you a little, little good, you know. It's, they do have that moisture in them. But water itself is such a precious, precious commodity. And it goes so underappreciated. And I think if there is one thing, one thing that we take for granted most out of anything else, I take it for granted. I realized that the other day. It's water. And I'm talking clean, running water. Something that you can use to wash, to consume that will do its job, won't make you sick. Because the other day, there needed to be some emergency work done on some of the pipes. And I was without water for a couple days. Now, look, it wasn't the end of the world. I went over to the store, got some bottled water, got a couple jugs of water, and I was fine. You know, life goes on. Before you know it, the water was back on again and back to business. Business as usual. But you know, it was such a weird feeling because it's like it's habit, you know? I walked into the bathroom and I turned the tap on to go wash my hands. It's habit, right? This is just what you do. And it was such a weird feeling to turn the tap on, nothing to come out, completely dry. And that goes for everything. There is no there is no water. And I was just thinking to myself, right then and there, it just hit me. My God. I am so dependent on this system, I don't even realize it. I, I was just sitting there thinking to myself how unprepared I was at that very moment that if something cataclysmic had happened... And all of a sudden, that water was off, never to return. I'd probably be done in, I, you know? 
that would be that. It made me re-examine things and made me realize, I think, how dependent so many of us are on running water. That we can have a couple water bottles here and there, but most of us don't really have huge tanks of water stored up or uh, rainwater collection systems or water filtration devices. and You know, all this stuff, it sounds like right the, the stereotypical prepper crap. But it makes you think, look, I am beyond thankful to have such access to water. But when that access was deprived, even if it was for a short, routine duration, it just gives you a little bit of a glimpse as to how poorly I would fare if something really happened. And just how much we take this for granted. So it's that good saying, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And that's exactly what I was feeling. So every time I kind of look at the tap or the shower or anything, it just, you know, it triggers a little bit of thought. A tiny little thought in my mind thinking, you know what? I'm, I'm really thankful. I'm really appreciative that this is in place. And it just still reminds me and makes me think of what a valuable and precious resource water is to this very day. It made me think, you know, you ever want to see society crumble? All you need to do is shut off water access to a, a developed nation and everything is going to fall apart really quick. I don't have any sort of fancy solution comes down to you do what you want to do if you ever want to think about what could possibly happen one day. That's up to you. That's completely up to you. But it was just one of those big things. Like, I, I, I'd always known that with our quality of life, we're always very dependent on things. But I think seeing that just makes you realize just how dependent we are on certain things, especially those most important things, water, how much we take it for granted. So that's the first thing that I just wanted to mention in passing. Look, you don't know what you got till it's gone, and it's just a little bit of, uh, of food for thought. I know it might not be much. I know it could be better. Seeing the little things like that makes you realize, you know what, it could most certainly be worse. And some of these problems that I complain about uh, that the water pressure might be a little low, or, oh, you know, it might be hard water instead of soft water, are such trivial, trivial little things. When there's many people in this world who there might be a tap of water that hasn't had a drop come out of it in years, or have never even had a tap to begin with, subject to disease, you name it. So food for thought anyway. Alright, and now having discussed that and gotten it out, let's go over to the miscellaneous topics and feedback. Any feedback is welcome. Look, it doesn't just need to be on the economy, though that's the recommended subject again. Uh, do you think that there will be a recession, depression uh, in the near future? How bad do you think it's going to get, or will it not happen at all? So your feedback on that, of course, is welcome to V-O-R-W. 
info at gmail.com. But truth be told, I just love hearing what you have to say on the show itself. I love getting your feedback and uh, just knowing, well, if you're listening, really. So any feedback is welcome via email to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Hey, let's go over to a few miscellaneous topics right now. Uh, we hear from Sean in Montreal, Canada. Welcome to the show, Sean. What do you have to say? Hey, John, it's Sean here from Montreal. Um, I have a bit of a rant, I guess, and it's uh, once again about suits. Um, yesterday, I was walking around in my $5 bought from the Salvation Army blazer, three buttons, and it fit me just perfectly. And then, I mean, I don't feel degraded when I'm wearing it. Whereas the suit that I bought new, the the jacket, I, I, I just have one measly little button holding it together. And my tie hangs underneath of this thing. And I just feel like a monkey. I, I, I almost, it almost feels like the designer's are playing some sort of cruel joke and in order for me to get a new suit with three buttons I think I need to actually go and get the thing made Um, and uh, there's these online things for that Uh, makeyourownjeans.com I think is one uh, you can also get it done at alandupetit.com. Do you have any experience with these things? Um, or am I just out, out, out of luck? Unfortunately, um, because of my dimensions, I just have not found anything suitable on eBay, even used from the 90s. And believe me, I have some, some suits from the 90s. Some Italian stuff was actually very nice from the 90s. Anyway... That's my question. Hope you're having a good day, and uh, thanks so, so much for the great show. Well, thank you for your question, and uh, I know, of course, as, as someone who does wear a suit every single day as well, uh, I know how frustrating it could be when the styles that you like to wear are just so difficult, you know, to come across and, and find. You know, everyone has their own personal preferences, but I myself like the older styles of suits. I like the, you know, the ones that do cover up a bit more when it comes down to the jackets. I like wearing the long jackets and all of that stuff. I think kind of like how you do. And, you know, I don't get the suits custom made. Uh, usually I go because I like the vintage suits. You know, not for any sort of connotation, not because, oh, you know, the 80s and the 90s were the best time ever and I just want to immerse myself in that or anything to that extent, uh, but just because I like the styles and I do think that things were made with a little more quality back then. So, I go to the second-hand stores. I go to the thrift stores and all of that, and I will look around. And, you know, there's a, a negative stereotype when it comes to thrift stores that, oh, it's for poor people, and oh, it's for, uh, you know, all the stuff is dirty and it's cheap, but that's not true. You know, you can find some expensive suits over there, and just because they're not considered fashionable anymore it doesn't mean that they're pieces of garbage there was one suit that i got it was a double-breasted suit from the 1980s i got for 20 bucks and i checked the uh, one of the inside pockets and it still had the original price tag 
from the 1980s, which, adjusted for inflation, it was a $2,500 suit that I got for 20 bucks. And, uh... You know, it was so cheap because, oh, it's just in a style that people don't wear anymore. But it's a very quality suit, I wear it often, and it lasts me to this very day. So, that's what I always do because it's just... And to me, anyway, it's fun to look around and just see what you can possibly get. Let's go over to Joe from Jersey with his thoughts. What do you have to share, Joe? Yo, 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 it's your boy, Joe from Jersey, coming to you live from my car. Anyway, let's cut right to it. Um, there's been, you know, obviously there's been a lot of stuff going on in the world, mainly in the United States in terms of, you know, shootings and stuff. And I work at a gym, so, you know, the TVs are always plastering about the uh, the news and and why these things are happening and stuff. And, you know... I, I'm just sick and bleeping tired of it. I gotta censor myself. I'm sorry, but I'm so sick of like pointing the blame. It's like the video games did it, the guns did it, the uh, the people did it. It's like it's always someone's fault. It's never like a joint thing where like both sides can agree. It like oh, it's a little bit of this, it's a little bit of that. It's always like absolute. It's absolutely the video games. It's absolutely the guns. It's absolutely the people. You know, and the way we handle mental mental people, it's like, it has, it's not one or the other. It's like, I mean, it is one or the other. Sorry. It can't be all of them. And it's getting me really frustrated that all these news media outlets are all, they're all talking about, like, absolutes. You know? And I'm just thinking, uh, what's going on in these people's heads when they want to grab their gun and go start shooting people? It's more than just one thing it's a whole concoction of things that we cannot i feel like we can, it's going to be very hard to uh, eliminate you know gun control was a thing uh i don't know if it's doing much you know violent video games are still a thing oh well it hasn't been i don't i don't think there's been an increase uh the people you know just, there's more mental people out there i think from now than back then you got to fact check me on that but it's just I believe it's just a whole bunch of other issues that have to deal with, you know, all the, the something relating with one another. But anyway, that's it. Uh, I would like your your take on it. Do you agree, disagree that, you know, these outlets are just looking kind of for a scapegoat when in reality, I feel like there's more than one scapegoat. Anyway, that's it. If this is in the video, cool. <laughs> Love the podcast. All right. Bye. No, absolutely, Joe. I completely understand your frustrations because what you get in the wake of these tragedies, instead of unity, you get so much finger-pointing, like you said, uh, where the blame is always, you know, it's try, they try to make it absolute, uh, that it is one thing or the other exclusively. And, you know, some, sometimes people just, for some reason, dismiss. Maybe it's out of anger, I, I really don't know dismiss the the possibility that you know maybe it's a combination of various things so i completely understand where you're coming from joe i mean in the wake of these things all you would wish for is a little bit of unity you know whatever happened to the days of coming together after a disaster uh, now all they ever do is just push us further and further apart because instead of focusing on ways together we can tackle the underlying issues, 
We just focus on who to blame and who to yell at and all of that. So thank you, Joe. Uh, we have some uh, written questions coming in. Uh, Phil in Springfield. I don't know if it's Springfield, uh, Massachusetts or Springfield, Missouri, but from a Springfield anyway, says, I enjoy your broadcasts and keep up the good work. With the popularity of more healthy options for beverages, such as Bai, Core, Hint, Sparkling Ice, is there any desire to do such a review? I know the popularity has really skyrocketed in the recent year or so, it seems. Always enjoy your takes on products in the marketplace. Thank you, Phil. I mean, I might give it a shot. The only thing is that the YouTube algorithm, you know, it favors the fast food. And because I have to do this for a living, you have to just do what you think is going to do well in the algorithm. That's the honest truth. Uh, but I'm definitely going to look into it. Look, it's something I'm definitely going to check out. Those drinks do seem interesting. Maybe I'll squeeze in a drink review here and there. Maybe I'll give it a shot. Thank you for the suggestion, Phil. Mark uh, says, as a passionate radio host, I was wondering, since you always talk about the decline of radio, what, in your opinion, does radio need to do to get more listeners? Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Matt, for your question. Here's the thing. When it comes down to FM radio... I think a lot of the music playlists need to be expanded. I think they need to be diversified. Because, you know, FM radio is an emphasis on money. Because radio, as a medium, is hemorrhaging money. It is losing so much money so quickly. And you might be saying, but but, but do you like radio? How are you so pessimistic about it? Because that's just the truth about it. Radio is dying so fast. It's incredible. And as a result, especially FM radio and any commercial radio is trying to get whatever little scraps of of money they can get while they still can get it. So as a result, for the sake of making a few bucks, quality goes out the door. They say, well, I want to make as much money as I can while I still can uh, at the expense of our listeners. And that's what's killing it even faster. Where with FM radio, they only care about playing the certain playlist of 20 songs... Uh, you know, because that's what that's what's on the charts. Without any understanding that, you know, maybe the people listening kind of get sick of, of hearing the same songs all the time. So I think the music playlists need to be expanded. They need to be diversified. And secondly, and here's the most difficult thing, right? We know that advertising is absolutely essential. That's what keeps it all going. But so many people complain about the monotony and just that there's more ads than music or talk or content itself. I think that really bothers a lot of people. So, that's a tough thing. Because again, radio needs the advertisements in order to focus and to survive. Yet at the same time, the how, how many there are, the abundance of ads, is making it more and more unbearable for some listeners to, to tune in. So it's really difficult. As for AM and even shortwave radio, the only way to keep that going, better programming, something more listenable, and you need to increase the transmitter powers because interference is getting so bad nowadays. 50 kilowatts, 100 kilowatts just isn't getting the signal out anymore. It used to be strong, uh, but now you have all this stuff out there that's just causing more and more static interference, you name it. 
that didn't used to be an issue. So, as a result, the transmitter power needs to be increased substantially or else no one will ever listen anymore because they can't get a signal in the first place. And the programming needs to be improved also. You know, I was thinking about shortwave the other day and how during some hours of the day there's nothing to listen to. During other times, there's plenty to hear. But, like, I wish that the BBC World Service still broadcast to North America. And they unfortunately stopped in 2001, when they still had over a million people listening on shortwave a week in the U.S. That perplexes me. Like, can you imagine if I was doing this show, and I was getting a million views per episode... And I decided to discontinue it because I felt that it wasn't getting to enough people. It would be like, what? It's a million listeners. And they discontinued broadcasts to the U.S. in 2001 when that many people listened. And uh, there were... Lots of people were very angry, but that's what really killed off shortwave over here. But like I was thinking, you know, if the BBC still broadcast on shortwave to the U.S., I would... You know, I would have the radio out constantly, because there would be good stuff to listen to, so it's twofold. You need better transmitters, higher power, and better programming, but with it being the way that it is, I don't think that'll ever be implemented, but that's what would need to be done. How about we go over to Nick in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, what do you have to say, Nick? Hey, Review bro. this is Nick calling in. Uh, I was just wondering what you think about when... Y- there's old white dudes in um, convertibles, but it's really windy out. And since they're in convertibles, they got to keep that top down to look cool. And they just get their hair blown all around if they have any left. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, what about it? They're going for a ride, and that's what it comes down to. You know? Same thing like any old Asian dude. Or old black dude. Or anyone in between. You're going for a ride in a convertible, you got the top down, and your hair is blowing around. You know? Uh, You don't need to be old for that to happen to you, so that's what it comes down to. As long as you're enjoying yourself, you're not hurting anyone, yeah, let the hair blow around, eh? no big deal. So uh, that's what it comes down to, so thank you for uh, your question. Let's go over to Taylor in Los Angeles, California. Welcome, you're on the air. Hey there, John. It's Taylor from Los Angeles again. I was thinking about what you said about hope on the last podcast and how sometimes it can be like a bright glimmer and sometimes it's more like a dying ember. And I really, I really understood that. This year for me has been good and bad. I've overcome a lot of my struggles, but I've also found a lot of new struggles to go through. And with all the current events going on and how easy it is to learn about them really quickly because of the internet, there hasn't really been a lot of time for my brain to just breathe. And I think that's the biggest issue that we have is our brains are getting attacked all the time by new information. And there's been some days this year where I've been out and about and I just think when I go home, that's it. I'm not going out ever again. I'm not gonna face the world anymore. I'm done, I can't do it anymore. But as if on cue, some random stranger pays me a compliment or the cashier at the place I'm at strikes up a nice conversation with me. These small acts just restore that hope for me, at least for that one day. And having these things happen to me, it's made me more aware 
of the impact I have on other people. I work as a barista at a coffee shop and I always try to just be nice to people, compliment the customers and make small talk with them. You know, I'm not always up to it. Some days I'm too stressed out and frustrated or I'm too anxious. You don't have to do it every day. But I think that being aware that you can have that kind of effect on people, that's important. And I think that being nice, just making America feel welcoming, feel nice, that is a big part in fixing what's going on in our country. It's not going to solve corruption. It's not going to solve mass violence. It's not. But I think it, it can't hurt things. We all have this influence, whether we have a platform or not. And I just wanted to thank John for opening up his platform to all of us, because I think that's a really great thing. And I think your content is a really great example of what I was just talking about, John. You're just being yourself and talking to people. And I think it really does help people. It helps me at least. And you've created a great community of amazing people who I love to hear on the podcast or see in the tweet mentions. I think we can all just try to make the world better and happier by putting our best foot forward and being kind. And I'm sorry that you got so much heat for trying to say that. I think the internet can bring out the best and the worst in people, unfortunately. And I think that's why it's important to take breaks from the internet if you can. I know it's a little bit harder for you because you kind of rely on it for your job. But at the same time, you were getting death threats for telling people not to bully each other, which is ridiculous. So I think all of us would understand if you wanted to just take a little break. I think it's important to take social media breaks if you're anybody, not just a famous person on the internet. Anyways, I did have a question this week. Sorry to ramble on for so long, but I found that my sleep schedule has gotten really strange where if I don't work the night shift at my job, I end up falling asleep by 8 o'clock at night. I literally can't stay up later than 8 o'clock. And then I wake up at 3 in the morning. And I have no idea what to do with myself. Nobody I know is awake, so nobody's posting on social media. No stores are open. Uh, so I figured I'd ask the king of being nocturnal. What should I do in those early hours of the morning? Uh, I know you do night walks, but that's kind of off the table for me, unfortunately. So yeah, that's my question. Thanks so much. I hope you're having a good week. Thank you for your feedback, Taylor. And uh, I do understand exactly where you're coming from, like you said, in regards to unity. You know, that's such an important thing. And having those conversations and interactions, because sometimes it is just making those tiny, tiny little differences, those tiny little acts of kindness, whatever it is, uh, that can make such a, you know, such a great impact on someone's life. You know, you just don't know. So you're doing the right thing, absolutely. And in regards to your question about uh, being the night owl, you know, I, I am a very, a very serious night owl. And I always have been, you know, some people will say like it's because of um, whatever the caffeine and all this stuff. But this is how I was even before I ever even had any coffee, any energy drinks, any of that. Uh, where I remember one night, you know, when I was 10 years old, I remember sitting there on the couch watching TV at 4 a.m. And it wasn't just because, oh, I'm going to stay up all night because it's fun or whatever. It was just because I wasn't tired. That's just when I was up until. And, you know, part of me wonders, maybe it's a genetic predisposition. 
Or maybe our circadian rhythm is just, you know, a, a little bit off. Uh, who's to say? So, when it comes down to being a night owl, I'm, you know, up for most of the night, every night. And it also helps a lot here in Florida because of the sun and the heat and all of that. So that's why I can usually wear long sleeves and a full suit and all that and not, you know, keel over. Though I can wear it during the day. I'll still be okay for the most part, you know, with exceptions, granted. Uh, so what do I do to pass the time at night? Because, you know, there are a lot of places that aren't 24-7. One thing that I like doing during the nighttime is I just like being able to do a lot of reading online, you know, in peace, with no distractions, uh, none of that. So I will read lots of short stories. I'll read <laughs> Wikipedia pages for fun. I'll look up various articles. I'll just try to, you know expand my mind and, and research different things. I'll do some listening to music, some radio stuff, uh, do some work on the YouTube channel, this podcast. You know, I'm, uh, that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm just sitting out here tonight and doing this recording work. Other times, I'll just sometimes play a couple small little games on the computer. Sometimes I will, I will play the eight ball pool still. I'll do that. I'll, you know, kill some time, have fun with that. Um, you know, just just various little things. That's kind of messing around on the on the computer, uh, but time goes fast. To me, anyway, it goes by fast. And yeah, I know the night walks. They they can be a little iffy. Sometimes either way, it can be like refreshing, even if you don't want to go outside, to just open up a window and let the cool night air. I uh, just kind of, you know, to 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 go in. It can just be re very refreshing, in a sense. And uh, I always just, I enjoy how quiet everything can get, you know, it's just, it's a nice break from how hectic the rest of the day can oftentimes be. Well, let's go over to an email we got from JB. He says, since this next week's show is a random one, I thought I'd ask a question. Uh, what is your favorite type of fry? And where do you like to eat this particular type of fry? He's talking about French fries. For example, regular cut waffle fries, steak fries, shoestring fries, curly fries, and if you can think of any other style cuts, I'm all ears, and what restaurant has the best onion rings? Well, when it comes down to onion rings, I'm not really a big fan of too many of them. Usually it's like the local places, if you ask me, that kind of have the best ones. That's just from personal experience, anyway. When it comes down to french fries, Lately, I've been a fan of the waffle fries. I've been a fan of those waffle-cut fries. And uh, Chick-fil-A does a good job with them. Honestly, their waffle fries are are solid. I had those the other day, and they just they hit the spot. You know, they, did a, they just did a good job with them. Not the biggest fan of the shoestring fries. They're just a little too thin. And sometimes the steak fries can be too thick. So that's why I like that just that middle ground where the regular cut and then the waffle fries... A good compromise, if you ask me. But everyone's different. They have their different, you know, opinions and tastes and all that stuff, and that's fine. So that's my uh, that's my viewpoint there. So thank you, JB, for writing in. Tal in Israel is checking in. Welcome, Tal. You're on the air. Hello, John. Since this is a miscellaneous podcast, uh, I'm going to drop a heavy one here. So I'm Tal from Israel. And what I want to talk about is the 
the way to punish people by sending them to prison. And I mean, whether it's criminals, whether it's crazy people, whether it's the, the go-to solution to dealing with quote-unquote bad people. I, I know that it's not the right thing to do to imprison people. But at the same time, I have no idea what else, well, what's the other option. And uh, even though we discussing this means nothing, we can't really change the whole world uh, right now. Maybe it could be changed in a few hundreds of years, but not right now. Um, I've been wondering what would be your thoughts about a way to replace the prison system with something more uh, practical and at the same time not so degrading to humanity? You know, that's a good question. And when it comes down to the prison system, now here's where I will uh, kind of diverge from what you were saying. I do think that the prison system is necessary. Although, I believe that there perhaps should be some prison reform, especially in regards to the amount of people incarcerated, and the quality of certain prisons, especially the private, privately owned prisons, right? Because a prison should not necessarily be like a, a luxury hotel. Uh, for the most part, I think, especially if I were the one managing the system, the people who are in prison uh, would deserve to be there. For instance, I don't support letting a murderer or a pedophile or someone like that roam around the streets. And I know that's not what you're saying. You're just looking for more humane alternatives, and I understand that. So I, kn I know where you're coming from. Uh, but I just feel that, considering what we have at this point in time, it's, it's the best alternative. Because there's some people that I think should just be taken out of society for the greater good of everyone else, because they're literally a safety hazard, uh, you know, as we know it. And there's some people that can be reformed in prison, right? We know that. Where they can literally undergo this turnaround. You see the videos where someone might have, you know, murdered someone back in the 70s and has been serving decades in prison. And when they're finally released, you know, they're a changed person. They realize they screwed up. They sincerely see the error of their ways and they emerge a better person. And that's incredibly wonderful. But sometimes you get people who are just remorseless psychopaths who do not care and they go out and they will just do it again. And then you have, you know, the problems, of course, with recidivism in the, uh, the facilities where you have such repeat offenders. And again, it depends. Sometimes it's the circumstances that people live in, where they grew up in, where, you know, all of that. Sometimes it's because the person, again, is just so messed up in the head and they're, just, they're a legitimately evil, vile person. And they just enjoy doing these terrible things. They get satisfaction out of it. So, I think, as it stands, the prison system uh, should continue to exist in its current form. Although, I would recommend, you know, that, again, things are, are improved. That more funding needs to be put towards these. And that low-level drug offenses... You shouldn't get sent away to prison for that. End that overpopulation, end that overcrowding, so you can focus... If you're not willing to put the resources in, then you need to repurpose the existing resources 
for the people that really need them. And, uh, you know, stop filling them with people who didn't, you know, commit such heinous a crime. But otherwise, I do think that the prisons just need to have more staff. And, uh, yeah, less, less overcrowding, more staff, and just better infrastructure there as well. Because you want the prisons to be kind of twofold, right? Ideally, you want the prisons to be, number one, a facility, a guarded facility, upon which the people who did such terrible things stay there and are kept out of society. But number two, you want it to be a genuine institution of reformation, where maybe the people who mentally are capable of changing for the better they may actually do so. And once their sentence is expired and they return to society, they're a better person as a result. So I think a lot of it will come down to ending the overcrowding. So again, the existing resources can be repurposed or better resources can be put in uh, to help those things really become a reality, especially the reformation part. That's most important. You want, you know, Ideally, you want to see someone that, look, they screwed up, they did something bad, but if they really, truly can change for the better, that will happen. So they will not be a repeat offender, and they won't be coming back, you know? All right, Connor in Scotland is calling in. Welcome to the show, Connor. Hey, review bro, this is Connor from Scotland. I just started listening to your show, and first off, I just wanted to say I'm already hooked. Thanks for all you do as both a radio host and as YouTube's most renowned food critic. I wanted to get your insight on something. Recently I saw your old video regarding why you always wear suits, and also heard in the past that you've suffered from mental illness and anxiety. As someone who also struggles with these particular issues, how do you cope? And what are some of the techniques you use to get through particularly challenging junctures in life? How did you gain the confidence that you display nowadays, like the confidence to just wear what made you happy and not care what others think, or even just the confidence to put yourself out on the internet? You're genuinely a braver man than I, review bra. I appreciate everything you do, and I also appreciate you taking the time to put this on your show. Take care. Thank you for your kind words, Connor. A lot of it comes down to you know, trial and error. Just because, though, you do something so much doesn't mean that it's easy. doesn't mean that it's not difficult, you know? A lot of the times when it came down to wearing the suits, let's keep it at that because it's such a, a big topic. A lot of the times, especially when I was first doing it, it was difficult. It was tough. It was something that, you know, was, was very anxiety-inducing because, you know, I wanted to be myself... But as a result, I was doing something that no one else really was doing. And that made it a bit, it made it challenging, you know, because I really stood out. And I didn't want to stand out. I just wanted to be me and blend in and be left alone. Uh, so that made it very difficult at the time. And I was mocked. I was ridiculed. But I just had to say, you know, you live once, as far as I know. Maybe you don't, but... As far as I'm concerned, anyway, we have this one life that we are experiencing right now. So don't squander it. Don't waste it. Don't live your life full of regrets because you're worried about what someone else would be thinking. 
So that's why I said, especially for something as truly menial as a thing, as wearing what you want to wear, just go for it. And that's what I did. But, again, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, it was so easy. I just put it on and the confidence was constant and whatever. Uh, that's very far from the truth. It was a constant battle uh, with my own anxieties. And it still can be scary nowadays, so that's what it comes down to. Thank you, Connor. Uh, Jash is checking in with just a few miscellaneous thoughts. Hi, John. Uh, as I lay in the bathtub here, you know, I listen to your podcast, and I, I'm a big fan. I watch all of your YouTube videos multiple times when they release. Um, and I know this is something you're familiar with, but you've mentioned in the past that, you know, people tend to enjoy your content from an almost ASMR perspective. It's something that's useful to them to sort of calm down, relax, and all these sorts of things. And I think that's true for me too. And well, it's definitely true. But the thing that I was thinking about is sort of just, just the topic of mental health. And I know for me, I've had issues with depression, anxiety, you know, mood disorders, all this sorts of stuff to uh, varying degrees. But um, definitely circumstantial situations can make it worse. And I avoided um, medication for a long time. And I tried all sorts of supplements and all these types of things. And I found that nothing was bringing me back to that healthy level of, you know, belief in myself or not having feelings of hopelessness and things like that. And I finally ended up trying out um, an SSRI, uh, an antidepressant, and as well as a uh, mood stabilizer. And I found that they were very useful for me. And it's really helped me sort of pull out not only of my depression, but to actually be able to move forward with my life, start exercising again, change jobs, wake up earlier in the morning, and all these sorts of things. And I feel lucky with it, to be honest. I don't feel like that's always the case, but... Um, you know, and even this bath right now and then going to the gym itself is good for my mind as well. Having a social circle, having a creative outlet. Uh, I sort of have to do a lot of things to sort of keep the plate spinning in a healthy way, but I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on this topic, you know, wondering if you've ever tried meditation or just sort of what you do to, um, you know, take care of yourself. Cheers. And thank you for checking in. It was very interesting to hear your thoughts on mental health and really what you're doing to help with your own illness and condition. And I think, you know, you're doing everything that I would recommend. You have that support system built up. You know, you're doing what you're comfortable doing. And you're also utilizing uh, the medicine and medication uh, that really is benefiting you in that positive way. And when it comes down to medicines... There are different things that work for different people. And that's one thing that needs to be understood. There's some doctors that'll just go write you a prescription, and that's it. And you might think, yeah, but, you know, the doctor prescribed this to me. I don't really think that it's working, but I'm just going to bite the bullet and go for it, because maybe it will one day. But, you know, depending on what it is, there's different things that work for different people. Uh, for some people, SSRIs might be best. For some people, antipsychotics might be best. Uh, for some people, benzos might be best. You know, it all depends on what you're dealing with and what works for you. And 
if let's say the doctor puts you on something that just doesn't do anything or the side effects are so bad it's not worth it you know tell your doctor look this isn't doing anything it's only making things worse and chances are they'll change it around they'll prescribe you something else and sometimes it's all about trial and error uh, there's going to be different things that work and different things that don't so it's all about kind of seeing what what happens there and then let's conclude the show uh, with a message from Richard. Oh, you got Richard again. What's up, Review Bra? Thanks for putting my message last time. Uh, and I was looking in the comments. A lot of people either love me or hate me. So keep it up, man. Keep it up. Hate sustains, man. More fuel in the fire. But I digress. This week, you wanted me to talk about anything. So I'm going to talk about something near and dear to your heart. Fast food. And why they change a good thing. I'm of course talking about Du Boiga King. Now Du Boiga King, what they do is they had something great like the fries. Remember the original fries? Oh, they were, they were, kiss the chef good. And what did they do? They they ruined it. They said, let's, eh, screw this, this is working. Let's have different fries that taste like nothing. Like you're chewing air with some salt. That's brilliant, sir. I'll, I'll get right on that. You better. And so they make these fries, and they suck. They're flavorless. And then they know they suck, and they're flavorless. So like, oh man, what do we do? We 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 kind of went in the bed and rolled around in it this time. All right, well let's make these things called satisfies. Brilliant. They are not satisfying. They are horrible. They bombed really quick. And then they had delicious uh, nuggets. They had delicious nuggets. They uh, remember when they were long and they they were shaped like turds, but they were great. They were amazing nuggets, and they changed them to uh, the little chicken feet slash crown looking ones. And then I don't know why, but they changed them again to now they're trying to be like McDonald's. And that is where the problem lies. Methinks they keep trying to copy McDonald's. They keep trying to be what they're not. People like Burger King because you're Burger King. They want McDonald's, they go to McDonald's. Simple as that. But everyone's trying to copy McDonald's, and that's screwing over everybody. Uh, but Burger King is by far the biggest offender of that. They change their nuggies. That sucks. They change their fries. That sucks. And now they're changing their uh, the size of the patties. Those are down. The quality of the bread, that went down. Um, <sighs> what are you doing, Boyga King? You are officially on notice. This is why you're hemorrhaging money. This is why you might go out of business. Because you don't listen to old Richard on the report report of the week. Y'all need to get down. Get boogie. I done told you numerous times, but you don't listen. Alright. End communication. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree with you there. The feedback uh, on your segment in the last program. Yeah, people either they either loved you or hated you. Uh, but but I, I, I enjoyed your I enjoyed your thoughts. And uh, I enjoyed them here as well. It's definitely a, uh, you know, it's something that I feel the same way about. Where you see these fast food places and it's like they keep going downhill. And, you know, Burger King was a good example of it. And, of course, there's others. Uh, but one thing I think that you, you really did touch on, and I think it's a good point. A lot of places, they lose their individuality. They kind of... They sacrifice what they were truly known for because they try to sell out, be more gimmicky. And as a result, they really get rid of the reasons really why people came to them in the first place. You know, people went to Burger King because it was Burger King. 
Uh, not because it was trying to be like a McDonald's ripoff or anything. They went there because it was Burger King. They had their own unique sense of identity and what they were doing with their product. So I agree. That's definitely one thing that you see going on in the fast food realm uh, that I think is... It brings a lot of places down. They just have to be themselves. They can't all just turn into the same derivative of McDonald's or whatever. Because uh, then all these places lose their identity and they're just indistinguishable from one another. And that just brings the quality. It all brings it downhill. So thank you for your viewpoint, Richard. And with that, I'm going to be concluding today's broadcast of VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, again, the feedback is always welcome. Any miscellaneous points, VORW. I-N-F-O at gmail.com and your thoughts on the economy. I really want to hear this one. Uh, so send them in. Do you think it's going to crash? Do you think it's going to crash and burn? Uh, do you think that it's going to be okay? What do you think is in store going forward with the economy? V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com Written responses or audio responses are welcome. And of course, I know it was a very, very serious talk about money Although it is important, we know that. And look, no matter what happens, if it really... If it goes downhill, I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to be doing this show. Remember, we're still about 12 to 24 months out. Should this happen, so it's not going to happen next week. This is like one of those things that you need to keep in the back of your mind, okay? But, you know, I'll, I'll be here. I'll be, uh... I'll still be doing this show, I'm certain. So, you know, just... Be be prepared, be alert, be ready. And of course, in the meantime, keep in mind this broadcast does need your help to keep on going. I don't censor these topics for the sake of monetization or not. If it gets demonetized, it gets demonetized. And I do not rely on the YouTube ads as a result. So we need your help to keep this show going. Really, consider donating via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. Thank you and do take care. This is VORW. We'll see you next week.